bestbookbits.com presents Emotional Intelligence, Why It Can Matter More Than IQ by Daniel Goldman. Published in 1995 and weighing 384 pages. Everyone knows that high IQ is no guarantee for success, happiness, or virtue. But until emotional intelligence, we could only guess why. Daniel Goldman offers startling new insights into our two minds, the rational and the emotional, and how they together shape our destiny. Through vivid examples, Goldman delineates the five critical skills of emotional intelligence and shows how they determine our success in relationships, work, and even our physical well-being. What emerges is an entirely new way to talk about being smart. The best news is that emotional literacy is not fixed early in life. Every parent, every teacher, every business leader, and everyone interested in a more civil society has a stake in this compelling vision of human possibility. The written summary can be found on our website, bestbookbits.com. So without further ado, I bring the book summary of Emotional Intelligence. The first part of the book contains new discoveries about the brain's emotional architecture that offer an explanation of those most baffling moments in our lives when feeling overwhelms or rationality. The second part of the book is on emotional intelligence, the ability to rein in emotional impulse, to read other people's innermost feelings, to handle relationships smoothly. The tendency to act is implicit in every emotion. The root of the word contains the Latin to move. That means emotion means to move. The main emotions are anger, fear, happiness, love, surprise, disgust, sadness. We are biologically programmed to act out these emotions in a certain way. But our culture and life experience dictate just how. For example, we all grieve after a loved one dies, but how we show our grieving, how emotions are displayed in private moments, is how we're molded by our culture. There are two minds, rational and emotional. The more intense the emotion, the more dominant the emotional mind becomes. Our emotional mind is subject to hijacking. The limbic brain proclaims an emergency and triggers a reaction before our neurocortex can process whether such action is a good idea. Our emotionally charged memories are also stored in a different part of the brain than ordinary facts. Bottom line, the emotional and rational parts of the brain need each other. They work in tandem. Emotions are key for good decision making. And as dry logic alone sometimes can't help us work through an unwisely array of choices. IQ versus EQ. Academic intelligence has little to do with emotional life. No connection between grades or IQ and people's emotional well-being. People with high IQs can be stunningly poor pilots of their private lives. This doesn't mean IQ is meaningless. Perhaps someone with a 500 on his math SAT shouldn't aspire to be a mathematician, but he could surely aspire to be a US senator or make a million dollars, since the totality of other characteristics he brings to life dwarfs the SAT aptitude. 95 students from Harvard, 1940, were followed into middle age, and men with the highest test scores in college were not particularly successful compared to their low-scoring peers nor were they more productive or happy. Much evidence testifies that people who are emotionally adept, who know and manage their own feelings well, and who read and deal effectively with other people's feelings, are at an advantage in any domain of life. 
whether romance or intimate relationships, or picking the unspoken rules that govern success in organizational politics. People with well-developed emotional skills are also more likely to be content and effective in their lives. Mastering the habits of mind that foster their own productivity, people who cannot marshal some control over their emotional life fight inner battles that sabotage their ability for focused work and clear thought. Howard Garner's theory of multiple intelligence is relevant here. He thinks that there's not just one kind of intelligence critical for life success, but many personal intelligences. The core of interpersonal intelligence, according to Gardner, includes the capacities to discern and respond appropriately to moods, temperaments, motivations, and desires of other people. In intrapersonal intelligence, the key to self-knowledge, including access to one's own feelings and the ability to discriminate among them and draw upon them to guide behavior. Five main domains of emotional intelligence. Number one, knowing one's emotions, self-awareness. Number two, managing emotions. Three, motivating oneself. Four, recognizing emotions in others. And five, handling relationships. Pure types, the male high IQ versus male high EI. Male IQ, adept in the realm of mind, but inept in the personal world. Typified by a wide range of intellectual interest and abilities. He is ambitious and productive, predictable and dogged, and untroubled by concerns about himself. He also tends to be critical and condescending, fastidious and inhibited, uneasy with sexuality and sensual experience, unexpressive and detached, and emotionally bland and cold. Male EI, socially poised, outgoing and cheerful, not prone to fearfulness or worries, rumination. They have a notable capacity for commitment to people or causes, for taking responsibility and for having an ethical outlook. They are sympathetic and caring in their relationships. Their emotional life is rich but appropriate. They are comfortable themselves, others, and the social universe they live in. Of course, these are extremes. We're all a hybrid. Know thyself. Self-awareness means being both aware of both our mood and our thoughts about that mood. Typical thoughts be speaking emotional self-awareness include, I shouldn't feel this way. I'm thinking good things to cheer up. And for a more restricted self-awareness, the fleeting thought, don't think about it. In reaction to something highly upsetting. Are you a passionate or an indifferent? Imagine for a moment that you're on an airplane flying from New York to San Francisco. It's been a smooth flight, but as you approach the Rockies, the pilot's voice comes over the plane's intercom. Ladies and gentlemen, there's some turbulence ahead. Please fasten your seatbelts. And then the plane hits the turbulence, which is rougher than you've ever endured. The airplane is tossed up and down and side to side like a beach ball in the waves. The question what do you do? Are you the kind of person who buries yourself in a book or magazine or continues watching the movie, tuning out the turbulence? Or are you likely to take out the emergency card and review the precautions or watch the flight attendants to see if they show signs of panic or strain to hear the engines to see if there's anything worrisome? Which of these responses comes more naturally for us is a sign of our favored attentional stance under duress. It assesses whether people tend to be vigilant, attending carefully to every detail of a distressing predicament, or in a constant deal with such anxious moments by trying to distract themselves.
These two intentional stances toward duress have very different consequences for how people experience their own emotional reactions. Those who tune in under duress can be at the very act of attending so carefully unwittingly amplify the magnitude of their own reactions, especially if their tuning is is devoid of equanimity of self-awareness. Those who tune out, who distract themselves, notice less about their own reactions and so minimize the experience of their emotional response, if not the size of the response itself. At the extremes, this means that for some people, emotional awareness is overwhelming. For others, it barely exists. Emotions and decision-making. Demiso research suggests the role of feeling is critical to making decisions. Emotional wisdom gone through past experiences. Logic alone can't decide what job to take or who to marry. Our emotional well-being. Average our moods over weeks or months and we get our basic sense of well-being. Most of us don't feel extremely intense feelings. We hum along each day and fall into a grey middle range of intensity. We have very little control when we will be swept with emotion or what emotion it will be. We can have some say in how long an emotion will last. These are some mood purists who believe we should experience what we feel. Some people try to shake bad moods, not terribly successful, Goldman notes, on depression and sadness. Casual rumination doesn't help the cause. Deep immersion in the issue with serious reflection can lead to insights or actions that will change conditions. But passive immersion in sadness will simply make it worse. Ruminating on depression can make it worse. One of the best ways to lift your mood is to achieve a small triumph or easy success. Tackling a long-delayed chore, for example, cognitive reframing is also helpful. This sounds like Martin Selgerman, Get Perspective. Showing emotion. Three ways. A. Minimize emotion. Japan style. B. Exaggeration. C. Substitution. Yes, instead of no, in Asian culture. But how well we display these emotions is a factor in our social competence. Men versus women. Women on average feel the fuller range of emotions and express them with greater intensity. Hence, they're more emotional than men. Marital relations. In one study of marriages, men had a rosier view than the wives of just about everything in their relationship. Lovemaking, finances, ties with in-laws, how well they listen to each other, etc. Wives in general are more vocal about their complaints than their husbands. In bad relationships, when one partner screws up, the other blames it on the character of the person, not as a misdeed. When a wife shows the facial expressions of disgust four or more times within 15-minute conversations, it's a silent signal that the couple is likely to separate within four years. Study have made these predictions well with 94% accuracy. EI and leadership. We're often too frugal with praise and too willing with criticism. We need to increase our own awareness of our emotions. Are we truly satisfied and get better at recognizing others' emotions? Nothing may be more critical in leadership. When criticizing, be specific, offer a solution, be present, be sensitive. Discrimination. It's more practical to try to suppress the expression of bias rather than trying to eliminate the attitude itself. Stereotypes can change very slowly. EI and groups. The key to high group IQ is social harmony. The single most important factor in group productivity is not average IQ, 
but the group's collective emotional intelligence. And that's a wrap on Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. Subscribe to our channel now for future summaries and check out our website, bestbookbits.com, for the written summary and more. To buy the book, use our website store where you'll find this book and hundreds more to browse and purchase. Thanks for watching and I hope you learned a thing or two about emotional intelligence. Have yourself an amazing day and stay tuned for more.